0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 1, Fifty-nine. that's the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network as well i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here live on this wednesday morning on tma we will set the stage for week number three of the national football league regular season which begins tomorrow night in cleveland ohio an afc north rivalry no love lost between The Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers we will take an early look at where the lines are and in the prop market for tomorrow night's Thursday night football game with Joe Ranieri coming up in just a little bit. Some of the shortest spreads of the week three Sunday slate as well. The games we can hope are going to be the most competitive. And right now in the National Football League, only six of the 32 NFL teams remain undefeated following two weeks of this nfl regular season including two teams out of the afc east but come sunday afternoon one of these two will suffer their first loss of the year in south beach on sunday it's the super bowl favorites the buffalo bills visiting the miami dolphins a team that has a ton of optimism riding following that historic comeback against the baltimore ravens in baltimore on sunday it's the dolphins now though as a five and a half point home underdog against buffalo as we have repeated multiple times here on the morning after throughout the early going of this nfl season every market every price every number has worked in favor of buffalo including the specific line for their week three matchup against the Miami Dolphins because entering Monday night when Buffalo was hosting Tennessee in its home debut before that game happened before the dominant victory for Buffalo the Bills were booked as a four and a half point favorite for this contest in South Beach that line grew all the way to six it has come back by the hook though now to five and, a half. and here's the very interesting thing when we put this into context. The Miami Dolphins have been incredibly impressive to start this season. Again, one of the three remaining unbeatens in the AFC, along with the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the six remaining undefeated teams in all Of the league. But this is a very tough test and might provide that barometer for where Miami can be within its own division, certainly within the AFC. Because right now, as we look at those divisional odds, the Buffalo Bills, the favorites in the AFC East, at minus 360, the best odds of any team to win any division on that side of the league. And of course, Buffalo, the Super Bowl favorites, the AFC East favorites, and the favorites, as you see there, to win the conference championship at plus 2. 40, but the markets have also worked in favor of Miami. They're not going to be able to make up so much ground. It seems at least until Sunday plays out in the AFC East. But the second best price at plus 420. The Dolphins now, however, though have the sixth best number in the AFC at 13 to one. Their preseason number was 22 to one, so nearly $10 of movement in favor of the Finns. And they were a team that was around plus 140, just on the outside looking. In at the competitive afc and that playoff race as the odds indicated before the year got underway but to make playoff odds now for miami nearly two dollars of favor in miami's manner because they are now minus 188 to get into the postseason that the most substantial movement in my opinion for this Dolphins team that now we expect to factor in to that AFC playoff race even after just two weeks of this NFL season a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after live on this Wednesday Sirius XM channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well I am Ben Stevens just six teams remain undefeated in the national football league following just two weeks of action three in the afc two of which in the dolphins and the bills that will play each other this sunday in south beach buffalo a five and a half point favorite a favorite to win outright to remain undefeated there are also three Undefeated teams in the NFC, two in the NFC East as well. The New York Giants, who host the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who will also go on the road as a pretty hefty favorite Sunday afternoon just outside the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. Philly, right now, a six and a half point favorite on that number against the Commanders. The Eagles have been booked as a favorite in each of the first two games so far this year not covering as a five and a half point closing favorite on the road in detroit week number one but certainly covering as a short two and a half point home favorite in their home opener monday night at the link against the minnesota vikings 24 to 7 the final score there the eagles have run the football the second most amount of time so far in this nfl season and we have seen the brilliance of Jalen Hurts at that quarterback position. And as we look at the NFC East, a lot has changed now in this division. Of course, it is the wackiest division in all of the National Football League. We have not seen a back-to-back repeat champion in the NFC East, Since 2004. The Cowboys won this division last year. The Cowboys, for most of the summer, were the favorites to win the NFC East. The Eagles then acquire Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They move up this board, a co favorite and now substantially favorite to win the NFC East at minus 200. The Commanders and those Giants tied for the second, or the Commanders, excuse me, the longest odds. The Giants and the Cowboys tied for the second best odds the giants right now a two and a half point favorite against the cowboys on monday night at metlife we'll set the stage though for thursday night in cleveland between the steelers and the browns with joe ranieri up next You're just one day away from the start of the NFL week number three of this National Football League regular season. That's the beauty of the fall and football season. You're without football very few days, including this Wednesday here, live on the morning after on Sports Grid, which allows us the time to take that early look at Thursday night football to start off week number three. Joining us to do that here on TMA It is our guy, Joe Ranieri, the man on Wednesdays that does it all. He co-hosts the early line, filling in for Kevin Walsh with Donnie Wrightside. He joins us here for a few segments. He has a few hours off to catch a nap or drink more cups of coffee. And then he'll be live on In Game Live this evening as well. JR, we appreciate your time and your hustle here on these Wednesdays
2: wouldn't uh, miss it these uh these tickets are going to cash themselves here ben we got money to make here my friend let's do this
1: let's do it indeed so let's look forward to thursday night an afc north rivalry in cleveland between the browns and the steelers now ranere some people will focus on the sides here in this old rivalry the browns laying four and a half at home But I am a Big Ten football fan first and foremost. So my attention is always drawn to an over under, especially when the total is this small. 38 and a half for tomorrow night in Cleveland, Ohio. 38 and a half, Joe. What is your first thought when you see that over under?
2: Uh, My first thought is uh, Iowa versus Iowa. That's kind of what I feel like this is going to be, like Spencer Petrus versus Spencer Pete. What what kind of game is this? Uh, It doesn't shock me that the total moves. We have uh, two teams that are having a very difficult time pushing the ball down the field in the air. We do have uh, two defenses that uh, are maybe the best units on the team or on the field at any given moment uh Jacoby Brissett listen um love the guy he's great when he's handing the ball off left and handing the ball off right to Nick Chubb mm-hmm. uh or Kareem Hunt but asking him to do things uh like oh I don't know they almost had to do uh in the fourth uh, quarter there against the Jets is not his strong suit so I get the move down I don't understand why this look ahead line was three and somehow what we witnessed uh, against New England and the Jets, somehow this game should be, what, five, four and a half? Five? Like, I, I do not understand that. Tomlin is a cash cow as an underdog in this role. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand anything north of three, Ben. Yeah. It, it, who are you going to bet? I, there's no way what? you can not bet uh, Pittsburgh in this one.
1: It is wild to me, Joe, because this line got all the way up to five and a half. Yesterday afternoon in favor of Cleveland, a Browns team that was up by 13 points under two minutes remaining at home against the Jets and found a way to lose that football game. Nick Chubb go down. He admitted yesterday scoring that touchdown probably hurt his team or just fall on the football on an onside kick. You're going to win that game or don't let 47 year old Joe Flacco cross you up for four touchdowns and you're going to win that football game. So the fact the Browns were a five and a half point favorite on a short week against their bitter division foe who has had their number in Mike Tomlin's era by a large, large amount and a Pittsburgh team that has been good as an underdog in the past two seasons as well, especially winning outright. It's a fascinating case study for me there, Joe, as you look at that line and where it might go by the time we get to kick in about 31 hours from now in Cleveland, Ohio. You bring up a great point, though, JR, about the passing attacks or lack thereof for both of these teams. Mitchell Trubisky, still the starter mm-hmm. for the Steelers. He has the higher of the two passing props <laughs> at 200 and a half tomorrow night, Joe. Jacoby Brissett yesterday was 192 and a hook. It's come down by seven yards in the overnight hours to 185 and a half. Renneri, this is a very tough decision. But of these two quarterbacks, to win you a football game, maybe not with their arm, but just manage it to a point their team can win, who do you trust more? Oh, God,
2: this is awful. (laughs) Uh, This is just a terrible choice you've given me here. Um, I'd rather just lose. That's it. I don't even want to have to watch them lose. Uh, But uh, Trubisky, I think, has had some moments. Both of these guys have had moments. uh, But the problem is, in the big moments, when they needed uh, you most in their careers, neither these two teams or the teams they have played for in the past um, have ended up getting over the hump because of them in many aspects. So, listen, I do trust Pittsburgh in this spot um, to be able, and Trubisky to be able to get a big play needed when uh, at the most. I don't understand, I think, whether it goes to four, Ben, anything north of a field goal I don't think it matters one way or the other you got to go Pittsburgh in this spot here the defense also Cleveland dealing with some injuries um Mm -hmm. so got to keep an eye on what's going on there but to me if it ain't broke don't fix it Ben and backing Pittsburgh in this game against the Browns as an underdog hasn't been broke in decades so yeah I'm taking Pittsburgh
1: I would agree. It's four and a half right now. I think it gets closer to a field goal by the time we kick tomorrow night. Probably not quite to three, but maybe at three and a half. Mm. So, Joe, after the struggle that the Steelers have had offensively in the first two weeks, yes, they beat the Bengals on the road in Cincy to open up the year. But we have seen that offense struggle mightily. A pretty beat up offensive line that has not been great. Matt Canada has had some questions about his offensive play calling and those have carried over to the quarterback position. It's still Mitchell Trubisky, but they did draft a quarterback, the only QB taken in the first round, Kenny Pickett. And despite the fact he hasn't played yet, Joe, he is still tied for the fifth best odds to an NFL offensive rookie of the year of 12 to 1. When do you think realistically we might see Kenny Pickett for the first time for Pittsburgh this season?
2: If there's a it, it, it's hard because I think maybe the decision has been made, Ben, that we're not going to throw this kid into a situation where he can't succeed. Right. So uh-huh. right now, you mentioned that that offensive line, they're still trying to figure some things out, maybe not the best to throw your rookie first round pick there to the Wolves and ruin him uh, above the shoulders, right? So, I I think the decision has been made in there that let's give it a little while here, let him get acclimated, and I'm okay with this method, Ben, because I think you do more damage in a long run with quarterbacks sticking them into positions to fail, and it wouldn't make a difference who you had under center the Steelers might fail offensively. So I don't think we'll see him for at least another couple of games. We'll see, I think, uh, you know, uh, the backup there before we see uh, him necessarily.
1: And we showed those passing yards props and how minimal they were. One and a half passing touchdowns for each quarterback, juiced heavily to the under, greater than $2 for both. That means the ground game is going to be front and center tomorrow night. And Nick Chubb has gone over 82 and a half rushing yards in each of his first two games. Najee Harris on the other side for Pittsburgh. Joe, what do you expect from that ground attack on a Thursday night, on a short week with two offenses that struggle through the air?
2: I expect a ton of eight-man boxes. I I expect a ton of hard hitting. I expect a ton of uh, very uh, well-earned yards uh, from both of those guys. But ultimately, Ben, the ironic thing is it's going to come down to which quarterback can pull it out of the running back's gut and drop back and hit a wide open tight end or something along those lines uh, who can throw the ball into the end zone and get a touchdown. First might be your winner. Six and oh primetime unders guys. There's a reason why this number is falling and uh, yep. it ain't going anywhere anytime soon as far as I'm concerned.
1: And each of those first two Thursday nights under as well. Ranieri, it was not a great week number two for the AFC North. Both the Browns and the Ravens had historic comebacks against them. But the Baltimore Ravens still the favorites to win this division. In fact, their number getting shorter because of the rest of that division. The Ravens even money at plus 100. So that's the AFC North. And we'll see it on display on a Thursday night. But what can we expect from the Sunday slate? Some of the shortest spreads for weekend number three of the NFL and the most competitive games up next here on The Morning app.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Some of the shortest spreads for the Sunday slate in the National Football League week number three. If the spread is short around a field goal or less, at least the odds expect or maybe even indicate a competitive game. But will they be? That's what we break down here on the morning after live on this Wednesday on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens, joined by Joe Ranieri for a second consecutive segment. And JR, one of the biggest games on Sunday afternoon the battle of number 12s tom brady for the tampa bay buccaneers of course aaron rodgers for the green bay packers and right now the bucks booked as a two and a half point home favorite against the packers however joe my attention again goes to a relatively small total it's 41 and a half because how many times in the past five years 10 years, 15 years because of how long both of these QBs have been in the league. If I would have told you Aaron Rodgers on one side leading the Packers offense against Tom Brady leading whatever offense, you would expect this total to be closer to 50. It's only 41 and a half. How come?
2: Well, uh, defense number one, that of the uh, the Buccaneers, uh, and you've got uh, limited weapons uh, right now, at least big name weapons. Now, I do think... We saw this open up two and a half, three, right? And boy, oh boy, that didn't last very long. So we got the total bet bet, bet down. We got the the side bet down. uh, And not towards uh, Tom Brady either. So I found it interesting Uh, on one of the more lucid moments there for uh, Aaron Rodgers when he wasn't uh, tripping his face off at the end of the game there against Chicago. Uh, He basically, they asked him about, hey, it's going, you know, you're heading to Tampa to take on Tom Brady. And I thought his answer was fantastic. And the first thing out of his mouth was, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll be better than we were last year down there. Because if you guys remember, Mm -hmm. they went to Tampa and they got absolutely demolished by Brady and company and guys like Aaron Rodgers they don't forget those things uh then and this is not the same old same old Tom Brady and company there in Tampa we saw that so I would not at all be shocked if this game inches a little bit closer to a pick'em if you were smart enough guys you were able to hop on uh the Green Bay Packers in any sort of teaser leg here hopefully all of them Pushing this through three and seven, giving yourself an opportunity at seven and a half, eight and a half, uh, because this will be a close game. The total dropping down is telling you that, and the move towards the yep. Packers is telling you that. So this isn't going to be a 56-50 game. This is going to be 15-6 to kind of game here, Ben.
1: What stands out to me, Joe, when you look at this game, is that total because of maybe the quarterback conversation, of course, and the comparison between Tom and Aaron, both wearing 12, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But it's mainly the ground game for both of these teams. The Packers on Sunday night ran the football 38 times for over 200 yards. That was a big emphasis for their offense. Aaron Rodgers only threw it 25 times for 234 and two touchdowns. And on the other side... Even more prolific for the Buccaneers so far, Joe. They were a team that threw the football the most in the National Football League in 2021. 66.5% of Tampa's plays last year were through the air. It's a complete role reversal here to start off 2022. Tampa has run it on nearly 50% of their plays. 50%. Fifty yep. percent. That's a crazy distinction because they only ran it about thirty-three and a half percent of the time a season ago. And the Bucks have a very good defense. They have only allowed one touchdown, and that defense has also scored a touchdown as well. But of course, it's Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Both of these guys had two of the five best odds before the year got underway to win the MVP and both have seen that work against them. Tom is now 18 to 1, our two-time reigning back-to-back NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, who before the year was 11 to 1, is now 20 to 1. Of course, Tom, a seven-time Super Bowl champion, Aaron Rodgers only has the one and has a losing record against the Buccaneers, the only NFC team he is below 500 against. But Joe, we also take week three we don't overreact but we put it Mm -hmm. into context the Buccaneers are the favorites still to win the NFC at plus 310 nearly two dollars in front of both the Eagles and the Packers who are tied for the second best price at five to one Joe when you look at the NFC so far through two weeks where do you think the value is
2: well I, I think it's with the 49ers don't you uh, because uh, I don't know if you guys are paying attention. They had a quarterback uh, change, uh, unfortunate situation there. But uh, the guy they couldn't wait to get rid of uh, and who they you know took a pay cut and were hoping that they could find somebody somewhere along the line. To t- yeah, it turns out they took him uh, and it's a good thing they did here. I think the 49ers with that defense, I think with Jimmy G in there now, I think and we saw the confidence of that team with Jimmy G under center, and mind you, he spent zero time with this team during camp, Ben. So it wasn't his playbook, it was Trey Lance's playbook. And I think what you saw here and that comfort level, uh, I'd rather be lucky than good. And as it's looking right now, Ben, the 49ers are unbelievably uh, lucky right now. Can they make it count? We'll see, but I think the value at eight, nine to one, Yeah, we saw the Vikings and Kirk Cousins last night, didn't we, on a prime time? They do realize, like, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, Vikings, are in prime time there, Kirk. Just saying. Just throwing it out there, guys. Just throwing it
1: out there. Maybe Super Wild Card Weekend, he can get lucky with one of the early Sunday games, but outside of that, yeah, every game played Uh. under the lights by the time we get to the middle of January. (laughs) Joe, when was the last time? you saw the number one quarterback on a team, the starting quarterback for a team, go down week number two for the rest of the season, and in certain areas, that team's odds for their season outlook got better. That's what happened to the Niners. It is crazy. It is unfathomable when you put that in context with other quarterback injuries because QBs more than anything move the market a weekly game spread a win total future odds to win a conference or division the niners after losing trey lance actually had their odds in the nfc west get better after a divisional win on sunday they were plus 190 entering week number two they beat the seahawks for their first win of the year with jimmy garoppolo under center for most of that game it's now plus 165 for san francisco their preseason win total was nine and a half and the over had the juice their win total currently after losing week number one on the road in chicago is still nine and a half and the over has the juice and on sunday night in the mile high city ranary they are a one and a half point road favorite against a familiar foe in russell wilson and the denver broncos because russ of course from the nfc west throughout his decade with the seattle seahawks 17-4, and Joe, straight up against the San Francisco 49ers. But a new city, a new setting, a very different head coach. Nathaniel Hackett, what's your approach for Sunday night between San Francisco and Denver?
2: You know, you bring up a, a great point here, Ben. It says a lot, without saying anything, when you lose your starting quarterback and your odds get better to win it all. All right, just leave it at that there with the 49ers. That says an awful lot, guys, about what the oddsmakers thought of Trey Lance versus what they think of this 49ers team now. Uh, The Denver Broncos, guys, I mean, you brought in Hackett, uh, offensive guard, right? My goodness. Yeah, 32 points in the first two games here. Look at those numbers. And I know why a lot of people are going to point to uh hackett's uh you know his clock management his game management he looks like uh you know a deer caught in the headlights half the time i get all of that but i think the bigger issue and the bigger elephant in the room here ben nobody's talking about is yeah guys i hate to break it but russell wilson is on the wrong side of 30 some odd years old right now guys he's a half a step slower he's not running around nearly as much he's got let's face it He's got a lot of things going on off the football field here now and he kind of is at that point here Ben and this was my biggest question about Denver everyone was so convinced Russell Wilson you know sprinkle some uh, some dirt and who Denver is going to go ahead and be this mo- like I'm not sure the issue isn't Russell Wilson forget about Hackett uh, that is not the Russell Wilson we have come to know and expect in Seattle What this is right now is a guy that looks slower, releases slower, and may not be the same player on the downward trajectory as opposed to the up that everyone thinks he
1: is. He was 14 of 31 against the Houston Texans. That is a 45.9% completion percentage. Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. and the idea of let Russ cook, he has ran for five yards combined in the first two games. That is what elevates his status at the quarterback position. Ranieri, a couple of teams around the AFC as well, winless after two weeks. Two of them will face off against each other on Sunday, the Raiders and the Titans, in Nashville, Vegas, a -a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bengals, the reigning AFC champs, winless as well, a -a four-and-a-half-point favorite on sunday for cincinnati in their upcoming matchup on the road against gangrene and the jets and joe you see their odds reflected in terms of making the postseason every of these three teams have seen their odds get longer only about 30 seconds left here but how concerned are you for the, these three ball clubs entering week three
2: uh very concerned for all of them and you got some nerve uh graphics department not putting the damn jets on that list i'm just saying I'm just saying, look at the odds. They're moving towards the Jets right now as well. Uh, Listen, Ben, if they can't protect their quarterback, those teams there that you had on that list, yeah, -hmm. it's going to be a very, very long season, and uh, that's exactly what's happened. You might as well just sign Zinno and let him block for uh, Joe Burrow at this point because he's got a better job than anybody. Unreal.
1: 13 combined sacks. The Bengals have given up. Mark Zitto will join us for SEC Picks (laughs) next. And Joe, we say thank you to you. More TMA up next.
0: (laughs) SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Week number four, the college football season, and a full Saturday slate is just a few days away, including two big ranked versus ranked matchups in the Southeastern Conference, otherwise known as the SEC. Our SEC guy, Mark Zinno, is back here on the morning after on this Wednesday to take an early look at the Saturday slate. Zinno, you're ahead of every line, especially when it comes to teams. In the SEC, what would you see between Ole Miss and Tulsa over the weekend that is no longer there?
3: If you watched in-game live on Sunday night with myself and Drew Martin, uh, just looking ahead, I looked at Ole Miss, Tulsa, and the total was posted Sunday night at 62, which was insanely low. Given these two teams' offenses and Tulsa being the best passing offense in America. That line now at 66, 66 and a half. You missed the best number uh, as odds makers quickly adjusted and people jumped on the oh. over. So, say la vie to 62. But I probably still think it hits, Ben. I just I can't give away four and a half to five points by kickoff and call it a
1: smart bet. But that's why you must pay attention to Mark Zeno, not only here on a Wednesday morning on TMA, but all across the grid each and every weekend. But on this Wednesday, We'll take a look at the Saturday slate in the SEC with the Mouth in the South's SEC picks. So as we get ready for this Saturday slate, Zeno, as I mentioned, two ranked versus ranked matchups in the SEC. One out in the East Division, the other in the West. Let's start on Rocky Top for the Vols and the Gators. And right now, Zeno, Tennessee, a top 15 team in the country, is laying double digits at home against Anthony Richardson, Billy Napier, and Florida. Is the spread too big, in your opinion, as we start to break down this game? The short answer is yes. I mean,
3: 10.5 is a lot for anybody who's not playing Vanderbilt or Missouri at this point. Um, That said, Tennessee's offense is every bit as legit and unstoppable as you'd think it would be, averaging 52 points per game. Now, I don't think they'll do that in this game, but what I do think is Florida really has some issues overall, particularly offensively. Anthony Richardson is yet to throw a touchdown pass on the season. And we're three games in, and how close is Florida to really being one and two and looking like a completely different team? Had Cam Rising in Week One completed that touchdown pass, or the officials threw the flag on the molestation uh, on that final play, and it's not a pick. You know, Florida's one and two right now, and this number is even bigger. That said, I still believe that Billy Napier has the 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 chops to keep Florida in this game. Because he'll play more physical. Tennessee really, you know, when you looked at the game against Pittsburgh, that was another physical matchup. Granted, it was on the road. This one is in uh, in Neyland Stadium. So, But th- what was alarming is they only scored three points in the second half of that game against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was deflated because Keaton Slovis was knocked out of the game at that point in time. So they escaped with an overtime win. But I think it'll be that sort of game here where Tennessee's going to score. They're going to get in the mid-30s, maybe even close to forty. But Florida is going to smack them around in the process in doing so. So there's just too many points for me to lay. I'm going to back the Gators here hesitantly, but I can't confidently give Tennessee this big of a number, especially when their defense is unproven at this
1: point. Zeno, I think you bring up a great point about how Florida keeps this game close and within margin of that 10.5-point spread. Of course, Tennessee games are always going to have a lofty total at 62.5. And after a wonderful debut this year, and the display that A.R. Anthony Richardson put on in that opener against Utah, it's been a struggle. Less than 25 rushing yards each of the last two weeks, two interceptions in each of the last... Two weeks for Anthony Richardson. They were a 23 and a half point favorite against South Florida this past Saturday. They won that football game by three. 0 and two against the number booked as a favorite this year. They are one and one outright in those games, but a perfect 1 and 0 outright when booked as an underdog, a 10 and a half point dog now in Rocky Top on Saturday. And now Zeno, that around the country, we're getting into the depths of conference play as SEC play is really about to begin across the entire league this upcoming Saturday. We focus on that SEC East. Georgia has looked dominant so far this season. The reigning national champs, the Dogs, still the now the favorites to win the SEC at minus 130, but we look around the rest of the East. Tennessee, number 11 in the country 50 to 1 to win the conference overall Kentucky a top 10 team 80 to 1 Florida still in the top 25 130 to 1 so now that we're in SEC plays you know if there is a team to challenge Georgia who do you think that school is it's only Tennessee because of their offense I mean I suppose you could put
3: Kentucky in there because of the style that they play. And they've got what really will amount to an NFL quarterback one day in Will Levis. But they run the ball and they play defense a lot. And that is always going to keep you in games. It might not be enough to win it. You, You really have to rely on Will Levis to make a handful of plays in a tight game to be able to elevate you. But, you know, again, there's so much of a gap between Georgia, not only everybody in the SEC, Ben, but everybody else in the country. Like, there is a wide chasm to how good Georgia is compared to everybody else. And I don't think it's close. As good as Michigan is, as talented as USC is, as much as Ohio State is knocking on the door, I still think, you know, this 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 sort of feels like, to me, Secretary and everybody else, to use a horse racing analogy, I don't know that anybody can catch
1: them. Zeno, it's a great point because we've seen that reflected in the odds market as well. Georgia now not just the number one team in the country, but the betting favorites once again to win the national championship plus 180 moving in front of Alabama and that gap within the SEC Bama entered the year as the odds-on favorite to win the conference for a third straight season but Georgia now the favorite at minus 130 that number growing in the dogs favor since the end of week number three so the idea here Zeno is we have two teams heavily favored as you can see from the odds to at least both make the college football playoff in the eight-year history of the CFP we have only seen two teams from the same conference get in in the same year just twice but both times it's happened it's been the SEC and both times it's happened it's been Georgia and Alabama like we saw last season do you think it is possible for that to happen again
3: I mean it's possible I don't think it will happen because what's going to happen is Alabama won't be undefeated by the time they get to the SEC championship game, and Georgia's going to knock them right out by kicking the snot out of them in the SEC championship game. Call it what you will. I mean, I, I don't mean to have a lot of bravado about Georgia. I know I live in Atlanta, but I'm not like a Georgia fan. It's not, you know, there's no fandom here. Just objectively, when they have the third best passing attack in the nation, which is not something you would ever associate with the University of Georgia, save the David Green days and Aaron Murray days, other than that, you know, This is an offense right now that is every bit as unstoppable as you think. Last week, against one of the worst rush defenses in America, Georgia still threw for 300 yards passing. Why? Because they can. Because they absolutely can do it against anybody. It doesn't matter what defense is out there. I just Until I see Georgia falter and struggle with the game against somebody, and maybe it's because they have a very easy schedule this year. They're they're not really going to be pushed by anybody. Uh, But still, this is a spot where Georgia is – a big favorite because they are that much better than everybody else. And I don't know, again, without seeing a data point for Georgia slipping up, I don't know that anybody catches them.
1: I mean, until we get to the end of October and the world's largest cocktail party against Florida, that's really when Georgia's schedule starts. Then that first weekend of November, Tennessee, then they have Mississippi state and then Kentucky as we showed those East challengers in that division within the SEC that's when we'll really learn a little bit more about Georgia until then they're probably going to win every game by 35 points Georgia is a 45 and a half point favorite in a non-conference game against Kent State on Saturday in a conference game for Alabama Zeno they're a 40 and a half point favorite against Vanderbilt now Let's give some credit to the Doors. They are already over their preseason win total of two and a half. They have won three football games, but they have not won an SEC game in over two years. I see 40 and a half. You know, I think it's just kind of mean, but it makes sense when you look at Bama and Vandy in SEC play.
3: Yeah, but I would back the Commodores here. Um, I don't know that. You know, one, Alabama doesn't really run it up all that much. You know, Nick Saban sort of is mostly respectful uh, unless you cross him. But that said, again, this is a Vandy offense this year that's actually found ways to score and be somewhat competent. I mean, look, Alabama's going to win the game, but this is wide open for a backdoor cover at this number. You're asking them to win by six touchdowns. Like, there's just not enough time to score six touchdowns unless Vandy turns the ball over repeatedly or you know Bama has these one play drives that go 70 yards for a touchdown so I would take I would take Vandy in this spot I mean let me rephrase I would back Vandy if I was going to put money on this game I'm not going to but if you're asking me an opinion I would I would take the 40 and a half here
1: 40 and a half is a very big spread however Vanderbilt did close out last year in SEC play. Despite not winning a game, they covered in four straight, of course, booked as an underdog in all four of those. Five and three ATS in the conference a season ago. That's a 40 and a half point spread. A much shorter spread for a game we expect to be much more competitive in Dallas on Saturday. Arkansas and Texas A&M. Another top 25 tilt where right now, Zeno, the Aggies, a one-and-a-half point favorite, the total relatively small at 48-and-a-half. How do you break down this matchup between the Hogs and the Aggies?
3: You can give me an argument that A&M could be favored if they were at Kyle Field. You can't give me an argument that they should be favored against Arkansas on a neutral site. Arkansas is a better nope. team by, by a wide margin. I mean, it is a, a matchup of contrasting styles here because the Razorbacks have the worst pass defense in America allowing 353 passing yards per game. But a can't throw the ball. They stink at it. Like Max Johnson, who filled in for Haynes King, uh, 10 of 20 for 140 yards. Those are Ben Stevens-type numbers from his high school days. Like, this is what we're dealing with here when it comes to this game. I think it's going to be a physical matchup. I think the edge goes to Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks in that spot. Both of these teams will try to, you know, smack each other around, but the rushing game for the Razorbacks really is what separates it. You know, because you have not only KJ Jefferson, but you also have Raheem Sanders, who's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. I know AM is yeah. a good run defense, but guess what? devonta Shane for AM has done nothing this year. He's struggled a ton, and that's a very good Razorbacks front here. Um, and I would also add, I don't know how in the world that anybody takes it over in an A&M game. It's like setting your money on fire before Can't they help. even kick the thing off. At 48-and-a-half, this seems like a crazy high total to me, given where we are. I know A&M will do their job to keep Arkansas out of the end zone, But I just don't see how Max Johnson and company find their way into the end zone more than once. They're not getting past 20 in this game without some sort of defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown. I like the Razorbacks here to win outright. This is a good money line play as well, given where they are. This is going to be uh, uh, the end of the season for Texas A&M.
1: Unless that offense does something we haven't seen them do yet, I don't know how A&M wins this football game. You're right. There are areas to expose against Arkansas' secondary. But we thought Max Johnson would take that step for A&M last week against Miami. They won the football game. They covered at home as a a five-and-a-half point, six-and-a-half point favorite. But they only scored 17 points. They ranked dead last in the SEC so far this season in terms of scoring offense. And yes, the Aggies have a very good defensive front but they're still allowing 154 yards per game on the ground. KJ Jefferson is going to feast on that. Give me his rushing yards over already. Mark Zinno, the mouth in the south. A wonderful SEC Saturday slate breakdown with you as always. Thank you so much for bringing up my high school stats.
3: <laughs> you're Ben, you're the best.
1: I wish I had Max Johnson's numbers. I might not be sitting in this very chair today. We round out our number one of the morning after. We're up next on Sports.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We
1: round out our number one the morning after live on this Wednesday on SportsGrid sirius xm channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens there are just six remaining undefeated teams in the national football league following just two weeks of action as we are about to embark on week number three three in the afc three in the nfc in the afc it's the bills and dolphins who will play each other on saturday on sunday in south beach and the kansas city chiefs and in the nfc it's the buccaneers and then two teams from the nfc east the eagles and the giants so of those three teams from the nfc who loses a football game first to blemish that unbeaten record that's what we asked you and fade the public Now, I was scared that when this public poll came out this morning, it would be so lopsided. I tried to sandwich them down at the end so you would maybe look at the first two teams and think there might be some way these teams lose before the New York Giants because this is a little bit rude, if I'm being honest. At TV on Twitter, at this active and ongoing poll, which undefeated NFC team will lose first? The Giants or the runaway pick? Out of the Bucks. Eagles and the Giants, of course, 72%. However, the Giants are the favorites at home on Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys and Cooper Rush, a one and a half point spread in favor of New York. It's a one and a half point spread only in favor of tampa bay on sunday at home against a better team than the cowboys in the green bay packers just something to keep in mind the eagles a six and a half point favorite on the road against the commanders on sunday afternoon as well how about it the new york giants unbeaten the best start to a season for brian dayball and that giants organization since 2015 remember the good times while they are still going on our number two is up next here on the morning after Aaron judge is going for history we break it down next